We have a very special guest, Mr. Kwaku John. I'm from Sacramento, California. My family's from Ghana, so that's always been a big part of my upbringing. Now I'm at uh, UC San Francisco for medical school. What was the most challenging part of pre-med? The quote-unquote toxic pre-med. I know you briefly touched on why you chose sociology. What made you decide to choose that unconventional route? That's a great question. Actually, it's, a, it's actually a funny story. How much sleep do you get a night? Sometimes it's like also me wasting my time on like TikTok before going to bed <laughs> instead of getting the full eight hours. It's ridiculous. And honestly, I'm going to be like real with you. I go yeah. out more now than I did in undergrad. Come through. <laughs> come through, baby. <laughs> Max Bow and I, the terrific duo, come through. It's good vibes. Y'all got to listen to this pod. He's going crazy on this. He's got these amazing questions. We're just having fun out here. For real. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Sip and Soju Podcast. We have a very special guest today, my good friend from college, Mr. Kwaku John. Um, welcome to podcast episode 14. Thank you, bro. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, It's been a while, but I'm happy to, to be chatting. It's been like probably two years or so since we've caught up, right? Yeah, honestly, probably. Yeah. Thank goodness for social media. I feel like we follow, we've been following each other on Instagram and like parting all the food we, we've each been eating. It's It's been a good vibe. <laughs> yeah, straight up, straight up. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. I guess we had graduate. Were you at graduation? I, w- I saw you at graduation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, had, uh, we saw each other, but it was brief. Like there's just a lot of people uh, to catch up with, but I'm glad we get to have a one-on-one. For sure, man. How did you think graduation went, being able to catch up with everyone? How was that experience? Dude, it was good. I feel like the pandemic made me like way more antisocial. So I kind of like wasn't prepared at first, but um, it was good. Like once I got there, got to see like people I wanted to see and like, it was actually nice. Like I thought it was like, oh, I only wanted to see like these three, five people, but it was like actually really cool to see everyone. I think they did a pretty good job with it. What about you? What do you think? For sure. I I think I was also, it was just weird interacting with people like in real life again um yeah definitely had to adjust a bit but um it was it was definitely awesome to see everyone and to to see like everyone was doing well so exactly yeah so kwaku um man i didn't really brief you up on much but um welcome to sip and soju basically i'm gonna start firing off some rapid fire questions at you and would love for you know the beautiful audience to get to know you a little more as as i have that sounds great Awesome. So I guess like to start things off, Kwaku, could you do like intros on like where you're from, where you went to college and uh, where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. So I'm from Sacramento, California, the great capital of uh, California. Uh, My family's from Ghana. So that's always been a big part of my upbringing, which has been great. Um, Lived in Sacramento my whole life and then went to Yale for undergrad with uh, Max Mao the Great. Um, this man taught me everything I know in the gym and uh, haven't looked back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and then now um, I took I took one gap year working, uh, doing research at the NIH, um, some clinical research on obesity. And now I'm at uh, UC San Francisco for medical school. And I'm in my second year now, just uh, about a month and a half into the second year. So it's going by fast, but yeah, back in the, back in the best state. For those of you who hadn't had the chance of knowing Kwaku, Kwaku just loves Sacramento and 
He loves <laughs> Sacramento Kings, despite you know their their questionable record. Um, but it's a love hate. It's a love hate at this point. They're they're testing <laughs> they're testing my loyalty, but you know I got to I got a rep. I got a rep. <laughs> For sure, man. It, it's kind of crazy that it's already been what like almost two and a half years or so since we've graduated, and yeah. I still remember you know when we first not only met each other like in Davenport, but also got our first lifting sessions in and. And now you're like already your second year of medical school. Like time flies, man. Dude, it's insane. I mean, that was probably, let's say that was like probably when we met and started lifting was probably 2016. And now, dude, six years. That's insane. It feels like <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. For sure, man. I well, one thing that definitely was so cool was not only you like wanting to pursue medicine, but also I guess like that's something that we never really talked about when in undergrad, like I didn't know you were pre-med, I guess, like, do you mind sharing a little bit more about what led you to that path? Yeah, we were too, we were too busy <laughs> trying to maximize the gains. We've not even talked about <laughs> pre-med, which seems like an obvious thing to talk about. But um, yeah, I think like, I kind of, like I at first kind of had the classic story of like, oh, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. I love working with people, want to help people and stuff like that. But I think it got a little bit more nuanced as I went along. And so like my family coming from Ghana, just kind of like knowing the things that like, they, luckily they've had great health, but I think I'm um, coming from the environment they came from. Obviously there's just less resources and there's a lot more things like malaria and other things that we don't even have to worry about here. And so just like hearing about their stories and their families and stuff like that. Um, and then also just like wearing through education, just like a lot of the like health disparities that there are internationally. I think I was like coming from the background I came from, like kind of had a passion for that. And obviously being someone who was more interested in math and science, it felt like a good match where, you know, my interest in kind of like bridging these gaps and stuff like that could dovetail with, with those interests in STEM. And so, um, yeah. And then just like at Yale, we like, that's the one great thing about Yale is that I was able to actually do like a sociology major. And so like, I wasn't really a conventional pre-med, but I still took all those classes and stuff and um, was able to learn way more about like history in this country, especially African-Americans and kind of like what the health challenges are uh, in that population. And so I think it like really helped me hone what my like passion was for medicine. And so, yeah, so that's kind of like how I got into the field. And, um, you know, I still kind of have those same passions and looking to, to try to make a difference um, because there's just kind of like this, the healthcare system in this country, as you know, is, is fragmented, but I think there's a lot of good work that that's still to be done. For sure, man. And really excited that you are helping with the cause, at least from like being a physician in that standpoint. Um, very curious, out of your like pre-med experience at Yale, what was the most challenging part of pre-med? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think Yale is so funny, be like being a pre-med, because I felt like most of my, for some reason, just like by chance, most of my friends were pre-med, but like how we became friends had nothing to do with pre-med. Like most of my roommates ended up being pre-med, but I think there's like the stereotype and there's like the stereotypical pre-med crowds, just like way too intense, kind of like their whole personality is being pre-med. And then like 
the other pre-meds who we felt like were just kind of like more well-rounded and I kind of always tried to steer away from the like the quote-unquote toxic pre-med culture um and I think I was successful partly because I actually didn't take general chemistry until my sophomore year so the cohort of my class who was pre-med I was actually mostly with the class below me so I think that kind of helped to like give me a little bit of a cushion and then plus my major being non-stem I kind of like it was kind of like doing my own thing with pre-med but I still had other like uh friends who were also pre-med but kind of just like doing different stuff so um yeah it was an interesting experience there um for sure it sounds like you were the wise sage in many of your classes (laughs) (laughs) had to be had to be but I'm like y'all are still smarter than me (laughs) (laughs) hey for sure man no one no one was saying that whatsoever (laughs) um I'm very curious I, I know you briefly touched on why you chose sociology, but um, given that you were very interested in being pre-med earlier on, I guess, like, what made you decide to choose that unconventional route? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it's, a, it's actually a funny story because I didn't really know anything about, I think most people when they hear sociology, maybe have a vague idea, but don't actually know what it means. Honestly, I majored in it. I still, like, don't know what it means. I don't, but. <laughs> yeah, but, but so uh, Bulldog Days is, like, the visit days for Yale like when you're still in uh, high school kind of before you decide which college to pick and so I remember we went to I went to get lunch in commons which is kind of like the big dining hall that ended up closing for most of our college experience but was open for our first year and I remember I just sat down at a random table and just happened to sit across from the professor of sociology and I was like oh we're just chatting hey how you doing He's just telling me about the major. Yeah, sociology. It's like really cool. Um, The great thing about it is you can pick different tracks. So there's like a health and society track, like, and a bunch of different tracks that kind of have to do with society, but like have different lenses to it. And I was like, hmm, like, that sounds like pretty cool. I mean, like, it sounds like you get a very practical education where you're learning things I find interesting that are kind of like more similar to public health, I guess, which is kind of an interest I had, like how I mentioned before, I was more interested in like global health and stuff like that. And so I kind of like from that conversation, like had in my head, all right, like, I think I might try out the sociology thing. And then I heard it was really flexible with the pre-med major require or pre-med requirements. And so I was like, yeah, honestly, might as well, like, might as well try it out. Um, and the advice I got is like, once you get to med school, it's like, it's pretty much all the education's all medicine, all science, stuff like that. So you can, you might as well like try something that you're super interested in in college, as long as you get those requirements out of the way. So I was like, yeah, why not? Um, and I did it. It was a small major, but it was really cool. Um, and I have no regrets. It was, it was sweet. Yeah. That's awesome to hear, man. And it's kind of crazy just from that, that one, that one random experience in the dining hall and, and meeting that professor, like, Obviously, that probably had somewhat of an influence on you choosing sociology, but I think that's a really cool and mature take on why you pursued a non-conventional field. Like, I think a lot of times people just want to get straight through it. And like, by all means, that is one, like definitely a good method of doing it. But that's super cool that you were able to balance your other, you know, interests as well. And you were able to explore other things. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm super glad for that conversation. And like, I think it honestly is like in a funny way, I think my non-STEM classes, my non-pre-med classes kind of helped 
my passion for medicine because it talked about other stuff in terms of like the social impact of like medicine and disparities, things like that. And that's like where like I was really passionate about stuff and like kind of drove a lot of the other opportunities that I was able to get like in the summertime and stuff like that, doing research and stuff. So I'm like, it's funny now that like, I haven't talked about it in a while, but like really like, I think my non pre-med classes really like made me more passionate about medicine in some way. That's awesome, man. And yeah. to bring things back down memory lane, um, that's what I'm here for, man, to help you relive <laughs> those experiences and those choices. Um, <laughs> very curious, what made you decide to take a gap year uh, to work for the NIH? That's like a really cool thing that you were able to do. And I guess like what ultimately motivated you for doing that? Yeah, good question. I think there's like multiple answers to it. One is like, honestly, part of it was just like logistical of what I was mentioning before. I started a gen chem, general chemistry, like a little late. And so like, you kind of have to take general chemistry, then organic chemistry, and then biochemistry. So kind of for me, all the pre-med requirements were shifted a little bit to where I didn't feel like I could take the MCAT before like senior year. I ended up taking it my senior year um, in January. But I think because I started that a little later, um, just because I, for whatever reason, as a first year, I didn't know to take general chemistry. I think that pushed things back. And so the timeline like made it easier if I took a gap year. But I think I would have done it anyway, just because like, as you know, like Yale is not easy. Um, surprise, sure. surprise, it's not easy, <laughs> and especially when you're taking the pre-med classes. And I think like, I knew that I wanted a, a break from school um, so that I didn't start medical school burnt out. Um, so I think I like probably would have taken one either way. Um, and then the whole NIH thing, like honestly, another like funny story where, um, so we had fall break um, every year, which was like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So you kind of get Wednesday to Sunday. And um, I think sophomore year, I went with one of my uh, roommates, Bobby. Um, I don't know if you remember Bobby, but super cool guy, uh, Native American guy. And, um, yeah. And some, he spent some summers in DC actually, and he did like a summer high school program at the NIH. And so he was very familiar. And so I went and visited DC with him during fall break. And I remember like someone had mentioned this NIH program. And I was like, honestly, like DC, I really like a lot. Like this is like three, four years before I ended up doing this. But I was like, honestly, like, I feel like I, I'd be down to like end up doing a gap year, doing some research at the NIH. Like that could be kind of a cool opportunity. Um, and the other part is that like, I I kind of had like planted the idea in the brains of my like best friends, like, yo, we all kind of want to take a gap year. Like, why don't we just be in the same city and like do it together? Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Kenneth Sela Cole, like, I know you remember those, those, uh, those goons, but like, <laughs> I like told Cole, I told Kenneth, like, yo, like maybe look into some like NIH researchers, like I think could be good for your career. Could be cool for us to live together. Like, before we kind of all do our different things. And then Sela doing like environmental work was already interested in like DC because he he's super interested in policy. So um, part of it was like the friends, that trip. Um, and then there was a program that was like tailored to like people interested in like health disparities like me at the NIH that would help you get placed there. And I applied for that. And 
the funny thing is like this was all my idea idea but you know Kenneth and Cole got their NIH positions before me Sayla got his position like a, a few weeks before me and so I was like yo they're, they're gonna be there yeah but I'm like I don't even know if I'm gonna be there like, <laughs> and I, I remember the day that I got the um the like acceptance it was like during COVID and so um, Kenneth and Sayla got to actually stay at my house for a while in, in Sacramento um, and I remember I like told my whole family and they like and Kenneth and Sayla and they all like mobbed me and it was like it was a good experience so a uh, long way of saying that like yeah it was, it was kind of like planted in my brain a few years prior and then like just having the friends that was a priority for me during um, the gap year and and kind of wanting to take a break from school but yeah it worked out really well um, I had a good time at the NIH. It was a little different because part of it was was with COVID. Um, and so I was hybrid. Sometimes I'd go and sometimes I'd work from home. But overall, I, I'm really happy I got to spend the time there. That's awesome, man. I, I can imagine once when you got the acceptance into the program, it was probably like getting accepted to college all over again. You're like ecstatic. Yeah, because it's kind of like your first like job out of like, college where you're, where you're like it's kind of the same type of feeling where you're like yes it's like uh, it's finally like the wait is over you know for sure yeah. man it's also I feel like that's definitely the move especially when you know we're younger adults without you know families and kids and stuff like that like spend time with the homies man you know like yeah. maximize yeah. that <laughs> yeah and I'm especially grateful now because we're all in different places like um, one of them still in DC. One of them is in Baltimore at, at Hopkins, and then one of them's at Harvard uh, doing uh, medicine too. And so we're all in different places, and like those are the boys. So I'm like, I'm glad we got that extra year to just like, you know, have a good time. Even though we were like focused on career stuff, but it's like we still had the blast, you know. For sure, I know, I know how you are, Kwaku. Hey, <laughs> Always hey. having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> got to. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But yeah, like, I feel like this has been really cool. Not only just like you sharing your stories, because I personally like have wanted to catch up for a while. And, and like just hearing all of that has been really cool to see like where you are now. And um, not, not to switch gears too quickly, but very curious, like, what was your what was your idea about UCSF? And like, did your expectations match actually being a medical student there? Yeah. That's a great question. That's a that's a great question. Um, I think like it's so like it sounds like I'm kind of like just saying this, but I like never really thought that I would have the opportunity to come here because it's such a like good school. And I kind of like I think my mindset going into like the application process for med school is like, you know, it's a competitive process. Like wherever it takes me, I'm happy to go. Um, and so when I had the opportunity, I, I knew I wanted to come back to California, but I didn't take that for granted. And so when I had the chance to come here, I, I like didn't take it for granted at all. I was like, wow, this is like really amazing. I think um, in terms of my expectations, like I think one of the biggest things with UCSF is like, it's the only school that is both like ranked top, like five, six or whatever it is in both specialty care. So, you know, surgery neurosurgery like derm stuff like that and primary care um and i think that was something that was important to me because like i'm i'm interested in primary care a lot but i think it's good to have like those different diverse like just to have opportunities to do what i want to end up doing um 
and like have that flexibility and know that the school I, I'm at excels in everything. So that was big. And I think that like still holds true. And I can see that here, like there's opportunities and all those things. And then the other piece is that like, since I'm, I'm like really um, invested in like community service, community engagement, like I know that like San Francisco for better or for worse, like has its issues. Like there's a lot of inequity, there's a lot of homelessness, stuff like that. And I'm like, I want to uh, train in a place where that has all that type of stuff. Um, and I think that one has been twofold where I think my expectation was met in the fact that like that that stuff all is here and um, there has been a lot of opportunities for me to like interface with that work with like um, unhoused people and things like that. But I think that part and I, I part of it is COVID, but I think part of it is also not as I think it's a little harder here at UCSF to do the whole community engagement piece than, um, than I think is advertised. Um, and I think there's a lot of people here who care about it, but you kind of have to like figure out who those people are a little bit more than I thought. And um, there's a lot of opportunities to do research and stuff, which is great. There's tons of resources, but I think the whole community engagement piece is a little harder because um, just like any institution, same thing with Yale is that like, UCSF is at the end of the day, an academic institution. And so I think some communities don't have as much trust in UCSF inherently, and you have to gain that trust. Um, and so um, I think that's something that I've appreciated more being here. So that was like something that maybe I didn't foresee as much, but certainly like, I think they're also, they all, one of the things that drew me here is that they are pretty, they were pretty honest about that. Like I remember the Dean of Admissions like admitted like, you know, UCSF, it's we have a long way to go to like you know get to know the community and to get that trust and I think that's part of what drew me here is like nobody's gonna nobody's lying and like saying like oh it's perfect you know this and that because you know I would have known that wasn't true right but um so yeah a long way of saying like yes th those communities are here and it's great but I think it's it's been a little bit difficult to to truly plug in um but I think the people here are awesome. Um, and that's something that for the most part, like has met my expectations. Like I, I have really good friends here um, and people, people like to have fun. That's a good thing about UCSF is like a lot of med schools, like it's like you, th there's a pressure to like give up your, you know, give up your hobbies and stuff like that. Nah, dude, like I'm still balling, still getting in the gym, still, like, <laughs> still having a good time. Like we go out, we have fun, man. Like, so um yeah, so it's been a good time. That, that's awesome, Quake. Thank you for sharing. I I completely agree. I think definitely like the access to certain groups being at an academic institution can be more difficult. But um, just given the fact that you've been like actively pursuing those individuals and trying to make a difference, I think that's really cool. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Going off of UCSF, given that, that, that that's a pretty big topic for this podcast, at least, I guess like for any future pre-med students who are interested in applying to medical school, can you give like three reasons why UCSF would be like a great option for them, aside from being like highly ranked in uh, various specialties? Yeah, yeah, of course. Let me give my little pitch. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think one is like what I was just saying that like truly here you can have a work-life balance. And I think they prioritize that where, you know, you take your exams, exams are, let's say about once a month, 
Um, and so obviously the week of an exam is a little more intense because you, you have that coming up and it's a lot of material, but that's, med that's medicine, you know, it's a, the, the human body is incredibly complex. There's so many issues that come up um, with every organ, right? Um, but I think that like outside of that, and even within that, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity and time to just do what you want to do. Like the exams are pass fail. And like the secret is that it's really pass now, pass later, really. So there's, uh -huh. we like to say it's not pass now, pass fail, but pass now, pass later. Meaning that like, even if you failed an exam, which people do sometimes, um, you just retake it and they and they are invested in you doing well they don't they're not out to get you so i would say every exam con contrary to what was maybe the experience in undergrad sometimes it's like they the exam questions you can kind of predict them to some extent and like it's more about the high yield information and less about nitty gritty details and just like making sure that you read every slide of every like you know lecture and stuff like that so i've appreciated that because i feel going into every exam you know if i've studied all the things i need to study like it's pretty straightforward honestly um and i'm and i would not say that i'm like the brightest person in the entire world. Like I, you just obviously kind of learn how you study best. So I think number one, work-life balance here is really good. Number two, like San Francisco is just like an awesome place in itself, but it's also just close to a bunch of amazing places. Like I go on hikes that are like beautiful and like less than a 30 minute drive away. You could go up and go skiing. You could do, literally do anything. The city's here. So there's always stuff to do. So I think being in the city is really cool um, and a great location. And just being in California, like, I don't know if I could leave again, man. Like, it's, it's <laughs> too nice. It's too nice. I understand. Um, so that's number two. And then number three, why you should come to UCSF. Um, I think they like, one thing I will say is that like, they are very receptive to student feedback and they give a lot of avenues to for that because as we know like no in an educational space like everybody's learning including the instructors professors administrators and so there are things that like may have rubbed people may rub someone the wrong way right but i think yeah. um the thing i found in our class is that when people complain they listen and they like it's not just like trying to placate like uh, the students and be like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's really like we say something and there's tangible changes. Um, and I found that like, um, even when there have been things where we're like, yeah, that wasn't it. Like they really took the effort to hear us out and to, um, and to like try to, to implement those changes. So I think, I think there's like a lot of student power here as well. So it's, yeah, like, you know, it's a good place to be. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing those insights. And to anyone who happened to somehow stumble on this segment of the video without watching anything prior, three reasons to go to UCSF, the great work-life balance, um, the opportunity of exploring San Francisco, and um, the feedback that administration takes. So, And also Quaker's there. So, Hey, <laughs> I'm here. Come through. Come through, baby. <laughs> On, on that topic of work-life balance, I'm curious, could you give us like a week in the life of just like what it's like to be maybe a second year student in terms of how many hours for classes, how many hours for research and any other time yeah. you have? Yeah, dude, that's that's hard because everyone's schedules are so different. But um, yeah, let me let me try and give you a, a breakdown. So let's say <laughs> so. 
um, Mondays is usually a lecture day. Um, and so some people go to live lectures. I'd say definitely maybe at most a quarter of the class usually goes to live lecture, honestly, because um, they record them and then you can play it back at whatever speed up to two times that you want. Um, so I'd say usually Monday morning will be lectures from eight to noon, let's say. Um, and then after in the afternoon, um, either you there might be afternoon on Mondays is usually free or like you might have a, like one or two other random classes. Um, and then Tuesday, uh, so we have small group learning, which I think has been really helpful for me because lecture, like I'm like, this is too much information, right? I think small group, they try to um, hone all the like high yield points and you do it through like cases. So it's case-based learning. So you, you'll have like patient doctor, like Mr. S is a 32 year old, blah, 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 who has this, this, and this, this is his past medical history, family history, all this. And then embedded in that, they'll give information and you kind of figure it out as a group and with the facilitator who has, who's like an expert in that field. Um, so usually like Tuesdays will be about four hours of small group, um, which like, it can be tiring because you're if you try to stay engaged, but you kind of get used to it. Um, and then let's say that like, you usually get on average like two half day afternoons free. Um, and so let's say you could get like Monday and Tuesday afternoon free or Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon, right? So let's say Tuesday and Wednesday mornings are full of small groups. And then um, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons, you'll get free. That means like Monday, you might've had a pretty full day and Tuesday and Wednesday, you have half days. And then um, Thursday, so everyone has a different, what they call a clinical day. Um, and so on that day is kind of like a full day of stuff. And so you have a, a clinical group. And so it's six of six students and a coach who's a doctor. And so um, depending on how it works out, like either in the morning or the afternoon, you'll work on a quality improvement project at a site that you're that you were assigned to so for us it's the san francisco general hospital um and so we go there and our project is working on like diabetes management for a latinx patients in the specific clinic so we'll go and like work on that try to identify gaps and um interventions and stuff like that and then in the afternoon we'll usually be working on clinical skills um so we have what's called like the CAMBAR simulation center. And so basically you go in and it's what they look like doctor's offices. They're like stocked like doctor's offices. And then you have standardized patients who are all actually just actors. Um, like a lot of them actually have like acting, full acting careers, but they also do this um, as part of their like acting career. And you go in and they're patients. So it's kind of a low stakes way to practice clinical skills. And so maybe you'll learn the, the heart exam or, um, you know, the other week we learned the like uh, breast exam. So like it can be more sensitive exams or it can be kind of like more run of the mill, but you learn that in groups as well. And you, that's a great opportunity to hone your clinical skills. Um, and then Friday is usually lectures um, lectures in the morning and then the afternoon, either free or maybe there's one or two other classes. So usually you get about two or three half days off a week. So there's, so there's flexibility to like do other stuff that you want to do, but, um, it's rare that you'll have a full eight to five. Um, but yeah, so, but every week is very different. Um, for some people, they'll kind of use those half days to 
work on research, um, work on like community service at lunchtime hours. There's often lunchtime electives. So like if you're interested in like addiction medicine or like any of the specialty groups, like then sometimes it's on Zoom or sometimes you come in person and they provide lunch and you can like um, do those different interest groups and stuff like that. Um, and then people do different things. Like if you have a half day off and you're not doing research, maybe you'll go to the gym. A lot of people go to the gym in the evenings or sometimes in the mornings before um, before class. So it's a lot of different ways to, to, to do this whole med school thing, but there's flexibility. That's like, I feel like one really huge selling point for medical school students, because obviously the course is really rigorous wherever you go. And yeah. like the more time that you have, not only to learn about medicine, but also to pursue your other opportunities. I feel like that's like super awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So here comes the, here comes one of the long awaited questions that I'm sure people have questions about. And that is how much sleep do you get a night? I'm very curious. <laughs> That's a great question, dude. I'm going to be honest. I was never one of those people who could like be sleep deprived all the time. Like I, okay. I need like a minimum of seven and a half hours to be functional. Like I'm not a big coffee drinker. I've started drinking coffee a little bit more in med, med school. I held off mostly in college. But I would say I average about seven and a half hours of sleep a night, which is like decent. And a lot of that is just sometimes it's like also me wasting my time on like TikTok before going to bed <laughs> instead of getting the full eight hours. Like I definitely could easily average eight, but sometimes I just be wasting my time on social media, bro. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's awesome that you like not only know your body, but also you, it sounds like you've been prioritizing sleep at least, you know? Yeah with that knowledge and dude you and everyone else who's 20 <laughs> tiktok be eating away so much time for real i know bro <laughs> it's bad <laughs> that's awesome man and going off of in, in terms of sleep also with hobbies i know you i know you, you know you go to the gym i know you like the ball um any other hobbies that you recently picked up or have started since being in, in san francisco <clears throat> yeah i mean definitely ball and definitely try to lift when i can um definitely been hiking more just because like I feel like the east coast is cool but like there's you kind of it's kind of a track to go hike somewhere and the hike sign is good honestly so yeah. like I definitely hike more um what other hobbies dude honestly um yeah I feel like just like hanging out with friends more and just kind of doing more like din like uh cooking dinner stuff like I feel like it's a little bit more adult now or whatever, but like, we'll go over to like a friend's house. We'll like cook a meal, crack open a couple of bottles of wine, just have a good time. Like, I feel like that's kind of a new thing. And honestly, I'm gonna be like real with you. Like I yeah. go out more now than I did in undergrad. Like I was never a big partier, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'd say I do that more now. And it's not like going crazy or doing it like, you know, whatever, but I say like we go, we just go dance, like we just go like have a good time at a club or like or something like that more often now. Um, and just like a good way to like let off some steam. You know, I like to dance. You know, I I got my <laughs> I got all my moves and yes, I, good times. So um, yeah, but just staying balanced and trying to work out. Oh, also my roommate has a Peloton, so I've I've been Pelotoning now a lot, no way. which is great. Card like I. 
I burn like 500 calories in like 30 minutes, bro. It's insane. It's insane. I know you're doing a little more spin cycle now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention that because that is, that's insane, man. I usually burn around, you know, 450 and 45. So you, you're really out angling me here. (laughs) (laughs) And still, still my roommate, like he's, he's crazy. The other day he did 45 minutes, a thousand calories. I was like, I don't know how you do it. He's insane. He's insane. He's absolutely depleted, you know, one half of, of the average American's intake of calories. <laughs> In literally 45 minutes. It's insane, dude. Yeah. That's crazy, man. And speaking, going back to what you said about um, the dancing and going out and stuff, to any, you know, venue or club that you've been a part of, they really need to sponsor you because you do, you really do be having the, the best moves out there. <laughs> hey, get the word out. I need to be sponsored for real. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad the work-life balance is, is really like kicking in and you've like been prioritizing and having fun doing that. Um, yeah. I know you mentioned cooking as well. What has been like one dish that you've made, I don't know, in the last two years, it's been pretty fun or you enjoyed? Dude, I'll go with what we made last night. So the roommates and I, um, so it was a funny story. So we, we go to Costco, like we like our, dude, we love our chicken nuggets from Costco, the Just Bear <laughs> chicken nuggets. So we, yeah. We love those. We, we have an air fryer, so it's so easy to make, so much protein. Um, but we like we're running out of freezer space, and so like we like we all went to Costco, came back, and I was like, there is no freezer space, so I had to like empty our freezer and like like. I, but I didn't want to throw away stuff, so they were like, we had like almost five pounds of just like frozen ground turkey, and I'm like, this cannot stay here, but it's like it's still good so I'm like we need to put this in the fridge and then just like go crazy with it so last night we made like loaded nachos where we like put chips a layer of cheese another layer of chips cheese and then I cooked like um I took I cooked two uh two things of of uh ground turkey that was each 1.67 pounds so and it was for three of us to eat bro like so we put a mound of ground turkey i caramelized some onions put a bunch on there we got some guac on there salsa and just like went to town and i was like dead after it was food for full food coma but it was so good got the salsa on there it was insane um so that was pretty fun that's hilarious, man. Please tell me that you hit the Peloton after. <laughs> Dude, I need to. I'm about to go ball after this. I need to burn some of those calories off. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm surprised with the amount of tryptophan you ate. Like, you didn't just pass out. <laughs> I know. I know, man. It's, it's dangerous levels for real. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Um, Thanks for sharing that, Kwaku. Honestly, cooking has been one thing, at least during, you know, the pandemic times, something that I picked up a lot more. Obviously, at Yale, we didn't really have a kitchen uh, because yeah. I lived on campus, so that wasn't really in the books, but um, definitely trying to eat healthy, and I've been doing a lot of ground turkey myself. Not one point, not 3.5 pounds <laughs> for one serving, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we definitely couldn't eat it all. We had to we had to put some more, put, put it back in the fridge, but, yeah, the ground turkey is, is a move. Bro, I'm not sure if you can hear me right now, but. Your profile picture is awesome, bro. Thank you, bro. <laughs> that was in my, I was at my house in Sac. That was a couple of years ago, honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you look a little bit younger there. A, a little yeah. bit younger, if I may. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not for real. <laughs> no, Jimin. Awesome, man. Well, 
I, I know you have a lot going on this evening as well. So really the next couple of questions are more so rapid fire. Um, I didn't prepare yeah. you whatsoever. So whatever comes straight to mind, if that sounds good. Okay, bet, bet. What have you been most proud of? What is your proudest accomplishment? Oh, that's a good one. I think one of the things I'm most proud of is I think like uh, in high school, so I was a swimmer um, and I like, they like trusted me enough to make me like team captain and stuff like that. But I think um, just like kind of fostering the people behind me and like kind of trying to instill sort of the things that I like subscribe to in terms of just like working hard, being dedicated and like pursuing the things you want to pursue. Like I've gotten good feedback from them as they've grown up into adults themselves that like, you know, that like I was able to inspire that. And like, I think that's like, you've lived a good life if you could, if you could help another life and help somebody help motivate somebody and, and give wisdom. So I think that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of. Love that. Hate to be a negative Nancy, but on the flip side, <laughs> do you have a biggest regret? Oh, biggest regret. That's a big one. Oh, um, I think my biggest regret, which is not even my fault, is that my, <laughs> parents, my parents didn't teach me their native language. Like growing up, they only spoke it when they were pissed at me. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> like only when they didn't want me to understand it. Um, and then I also would say, like, I wish that I had continued with Spanish so that I was bilingual. So right now I'm just I'm just an English speaker, but I could I could have had three languages under my belt. <laughs> I totally feel that, man. And actually, recently, I've I think my family's been wanting to maybe take a trip to Japan within the next year. So I've been picking up Duolingo and just like trying to learn Japanese yeah, for no reason. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I grind. Yeah, for real. Um, in terms of future goals. What is your next, what is your goal within the next year? Wow, within the next year. That's a great question. I think um, since we're going to be starting um, on the wards, um, I think I really just want to be in a learning mindset and kind of learn how to do the doctoring part of this. I think we've learned a lot about like, what is this mechanism? What's the science behind it? But I want to get really good at caring for patients and figuring out like what my personality can be and persona can be as a physician. So I think just like learning clinical skills and learning how to be like an effective communicator and just like, um, and also just like trying not to be too hard on myself because I think the rotations can can really be kind of demoralizing. And I'm like, I need to keep balance. I need to keep working out and all that stuff. So I'm um, just trying to keep a balance as I go into a new phase of, of my training. Awesome. And what about in terms of five years? five years bro i mean get that md for sure for yeah, sure yeah. um i might get a, a master's of public health as well but um to be determined on that one um and yeah start residency man like we got to start making some money at some point they're just taken from us <laughs> <laughs> for sure man i feel that um and then as if one year cannot come soon enough what about 10 years 10 years dude um yeah I mean just like I think at that point it's yes it's career like establishing a good career and like trying to make an impact on the community but obviously then you start thinking about family and stuff and like making that legacy so gotta find me gotta find me a, a wifey you know <laughs> we'll see about kids um I definitely want to have some kids um we'll see I'll be 33 at that point bro 34 like um 
yeah, start a family, man. And like, just, just start to nurture that part of my life for sure. That's a perfect segue to my next question. <laughs> the lovely viewers who are females are wondering, what's the relationship <laughs> status? What's going on there, my dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I am indeed single. Uh, so, you know, if you watch this, and no, I'm playing. But yeah, I'm single, man. <laughs> hey, I'm throwing Quaker's Instagram and his contact information down in the description. Y'all hit hey, him up. Follow me, Quagnus5000, bro. Don't uh, don't hit on the name, but, but hit with that follow. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for being a great sport, Quaker. My last question for you is, for anyone who's happened to stumble upon this last part of the podcast, do you have any, like, quote that really just like keeps motivating you forward or any motivational advice any final remarks the floor is yours yeah yeah final remarks um maybe not a quote I think just like yeah it's a great question for me like the advice I try to live by is like we feel best like as human beings we feel best when we're like helping other people or focused on other people. And I think we live in a society where obviously, you know, self-care, those things are super important, making sure you're taking care of in your health. That's number one. But I think as much as we can look out for the next person, as much as we can um, think about how our life, not just in the context of ourselves, but how we can like help the next person. And, um, and even in just kind of day-to-day interactions is we're going to live a happier life. So my, that's my advice. Think about the next person wake up every morning and be grateful for your life. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we'll just keep it wholesome. <laughs> Dude, click me. <laughs> <laughs>